Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Perkins Platform. This is a solutions-oriented podcast and live radio show. Each broadcast, we dedicate just about 30 minutes to explore topics of interest for leaders and professionals in education, a variety of other disciplines, and this is your host, Brian Perkins. So welcome, everyone. Uh, you know, today, uh, I'm going to give you a little insight on kind of behind the scenes, behind the curtain. Uh, today, uh, the the streaming service for the, the live radio um, show uh, sent an email and said they're experiencing some technical difficulties today, and there have been some problems with streaming. But um, they said that their engineers were working hard on a resolution. And so the fact that we're here suggests to me that they fixed the problem. So um, I'm here, um, and I am excited about uh, my conversation today because um, I have someone who is an uh, epigenetic coach and executive consultant um, who actually focuses on the intersection of neurobiology, culture, and empathy in today's business world. And so today's guest has written and, and uh, talked a lot in different sectors with some of, the, some of the largest corporations in the world, Facebook, Adobe, um, Indeed, Slack, to name a few, um, and has a, a, a huge amount of experience um, working with teams. And so with leadership, we know that uh, teaming and, and leading teams is very important and having uh, a great skill set to do so um, determines the success of a leader. And so today's guest uh, is going to talk to us and share a little bit about her expertise um, on exclusion in the work, workplace and her experience working with groups. So I'm uh, pleased um, to, to welcome uh, Rajkumari uh, Niyogi. Uh, welcome. Oh, my goodness. It's such a pleasure to be here, Brian. Thank you so, so much for inviting me. Yes, and, that, you know, the 30 minutes go so fast. I just I, want to jump I in. I have so many things that I want to Please. know about. Uh, from you, and well, I, I, I do go. know. Let's yeah, let's go. <laughs> um, and you know, it, and what I love about it is that you know, it's a conversation that we're going to have. Uh, doesn't mean that we can't have another one. But let me let me start out because I'm just so fascinated with a lot of things that you've written, and and I know you've done a lot of training. Um, first, I want to start out with because I've heard of of uh, people who've said that they're in they do epigenetic coaching. So tell, let's start there, because I introduced you as an epigenetic coach. Tell me, what exactly does that mean? Yeah, absolutely. So when we think about this concept of um, epigenetics and how it impacts us, you know, it's really about thinking about the stress in your life. And we all have stress, and, and right now it is, it is so challenging to be in this world on, on so many levels, you know, as a, oh. as a work person, you know, as, as a professional, as a family person, um, as, as a social individual who has friends and communities. It, there are so many layers to, to being human right now. And, and there's heartbreak in the world. There's 
despair in the world. There's helplessness in the world. There's hopelessness in the world. So when we think about all that we have to contend with every single day of our lives, day in and day out, what's the stress that impacts you, the audience, right? How, how do you mm-hmm. reconcile that? How do you navigate that? And the ways in which you navigate that, the ways in which you have to find yourself maneuvering, coping, compartmentalizing, dismissing, deflecting, that's impacting your nervous system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so when you think about, there, there, there are actually kind of two tracks, if you will, about epigenetics, and, and specifically around the coaching that I do. One is, hey, you know, I'm a leader. I show up at work. I have this one person. They drive me nuts. What's that trigger about? Or, you know, I go to meetings, and this person shuts me down every single time. What's that stress about? What's the emotion behind that? What's the unmet need behind that? And how are you navigating? Do you, do you get defensive? Do you want to argue? Do you get, you know, upset and frustrated? Do you move into a place of anxiety, worry, imposter syndrome? Do you shut down? Do yeah. you stop speaking up, right? All of these yeah. ways in which one shows up is impacting our epigenetics. So that's the one track. And the other track is search shows, which is absolutely mind-blowing that we carry, according to Rachel Yehuda, the trait tragedies and traumas epigenetically, transgenerationally, for 210 years. According to Dr. Joy DeBrew, yes. who's the author of Post-Traumatic Slave Syndrome, she says it's 300. And according to Resma Medicam, who's the author of My Grandmother's Hand, he says it's 490. So we're carrying hundreds, centuries of years of our ancestral trauma. Yeah, and the yeah. thing you ask, well, why do I care about that? Because I'm at work and I got to get my project done and, and execute on my PowerPoint. Think about what your grandparents went through yeah. and how they had to survive, endure, put up, conform, collude in order to get to you. Yeah. And so now you are and you've just presented your data point, you've just presented your idea, your solution, your brilliant opinion, and you get slammed. You get shut down. Mm-hmm. What do you do? And mm-hmm. what is that mirroring epigenetically? Is that father? Is that mother? Is that grandparent? Where, where does that beautiful labyrinth take us? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm so glad that you mentioned um, kind of the the reflection piece of what is that, and the you, you, way you put it was, what is that trigger about? Because what I what I learned to do, um, certainly with a lot of practice and a lot of experience, yeah. being in very difficult situations, uh, that um, and, and and not accepting responsibility for what someone right. did but accepting complete responsibility for my response to what they did. And and I would often, uh, just like any human being, you know, we respond, you know, there's a, you say for every action, there's an equal and opposite uh, uh, action, reaction, is that, I would, I, not, I learned. Not, not, not if you're self regulated. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. And that's, that's exactly where I'm going is that, but what I learned 
was that it didn't have to be so. That I didn't have to react yes. to everything that happened. Yes. And so some people some people say though, yes. if you if you if you reflect, and this is what I learned to do, I did learn to reflect and ask myself the question, why did I re- why am I feeling triggered? Why and and you you said that, but I, one of the things I say is what is it that makes me feel this way given what that person said? And I start to dig Beautiful. back to I start to dig Beautiful. back into my own history, my own exactly. things that have happened and go, ah, that's what that's about. I don't like it when exactly. people cut me off because this used to happen or that used to happen. And then I'm in control of how I respond to that rather than yeah. let let them push me into a certain place. Right. It, 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 this is such a beautiful example. Thank you for sharing that. I think I want to mention two different things here. The, what I hear you talking about is, you know, according to I Belong and our framework that we offer clients, you're talking about the pillars of organizational health, and there are three pillars of organizational health, feedback, accountability, and one that we don't give nearly enough attention to. We talk about it a lot. But you mentioned it beautifully, which is self-reflection. Mm-hmm. You know, we mm-hmm. don't actually learn from experience. That, that's a myth. We learn from reflecting on experience. How many times have you gone to a meeting and then left the meeting and, go, and said, oh, my God, why did they say that? Or yeah. you've been in this meeting and you leave the meeting and you go, oh, my God, why did I say that? Right? You reflected yes. on it. Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and there are so many different ways that we we can we can respond and they're not always they're you know they're not always negative or always they're not always going to resolve what happened either um and you have to be okay with that but but uh that makes a lot of sense particularly what you were saying about uh about it's a it's impact on us uh neurologically 100 percent, and i think from, from another lens, from a, a neurobiological lens, and, and specifically relational neurobiology, one of the things that people don't understand, and it's a great scene, if you, if you know the movie Inside Out, the Pixar film, um, I highly, highly recommend it. And there's a scene that's two and a half minutes that, that, I, that I use in every class, almost every class that I, that I teach. And I'll kind of give you the gist of it in 30 seconds here. Whenever we offer unsolicited advice, the person who is receiving that unsolicited advice, even though we have such great ideas, we, we, we really want to love this person, support this person, help this person, we're coming from such a good-hearted place, it actually creates a spike in cortisol. Mm. So being on the receiving end of unsolicited advice causes stress for someone and depending upon their you know generational trauma and the trauma in their nervous system it actually could be traumatizing for them to receive unsolicited advice so what do you do right so you 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 have a friend you you have a colleague co-worker colleague and they're telling you about their day and how hard it was or the problem with their boss or the problem with their co-worker Of course you want to support. Of course you want to be there for them. The best way to navigate that is when when they're done talking, 
Or even when they start talking, say, hey, can I, can I tell you what happened at work? Can I tell you what happened with my, with, you know, my spouse or whatever? You say, yeah, are you wanting me to just listen or would you like some advice? Mm-hmm. That moment of consent is going to establish such an empathic neurochemical bridge between the two of you. And most often people will say, no, just listen, just listen. But then after <laughs> yeah. they've had a chance to, like, get it off their chest, they're like, well, what would you do in this well, event? Yeah, right. Or what, what do you think about it? Yeah, yeah. So, and yeah. That, don't worry. Inevitably, they're going to ask you <laughs> for your opinion. Yeah. Sure, sure. No, absolutely. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I know you've also written and talked about your coaching and uh, the, the area that I, I really wanted us to – um, kind of explore is around the importance of uh, people on a team in a unit uh, feeling included um, on that team. Um, love to hear a little bit about your work in that area. What what brought you to um, working with teams and and inclusion and exclusion in teams? That's a great question. Thank you, Brian. So, you know, I spent uh, almost two and a half years at Facebook, and I was really challenged in a lot of ways. I loved my job. I loved my boss. Um, you know, I, I, I loved what I did at Facebook. But I noticed that there were moments where I didn't feel fully included, and, and it was really confusing to me, to be honest. So I ended up leaving Facebook, um, like I said, about two and a half years later. And I went to Southeast Asia to, to kind of decompress because I was completely exhausted and wiped out. And uh, and I ate a ton of noodles because that's what you do, and uh, and and I I just started to do some research and 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 ask like what was that that I was experiencing? Turns out that exclusion is a thing that I didn't know about at the time, and I started to read this research that was so extensive around what happens to our bodies when we don't feel included. And the lack of safety that becomes overwhelmingly present. And then based on the ways in which we deal with stress, just our own personal ways to reconcile and navigate that, we could find ourselves conforming. We could find Mm -hmm. ourselves having the experience of colluding with the aggressor. We could find ourselves showing up in ways that are not the most healthiest of ways. And so this was fascinating to me. And, and, and what I quickly saw is that the opposite of inclusion was actually n- not exclusion. The opposite of exclusion was belonging. Mm-hmm. And when we look through the lens of epigenetics, there's a really beautiful technical term that I think is the technical term for belonging, which is coined by a man named Stephen Porges. He wrote a book called Polyvagal Theory, which is all about the nervous system. And it's neuroception. So we have this really intricate system in our bodies that is constantly scanning for safety, for danger, for life-threatening situations. And that neuroception is constantly telling us whether we're safe or not. The interesting thing about that is if we have unresolved trauma, mm. then it could be miscalibrating our sense of safety. So that's where the self-reflection piece comes mm-hmm. in. That's where being able to, on a team, receive feedback about how I'm showing up, am I taking up too much space, am I talking, am I dismissing, am I interrupting, that is really important because being able to know how you as a leader 
are showing up for your team, the way in which you show up for your team gives permission for your team to model that behavior, to mm-hmm. model that communication style. Yeah. One of the most basic things that you can do to create safety instantaneously starting tomorrow in your meetings breathing differently. And I know it sounds silly. It really does. But the science behind breathing is when we breathe diaphragmatically, occipital part of our brain, the brain stem, the back of our head, is actually monitoring other people <laughs> unconsciously. Oh, wow. And, and so, yeah, so when we take the time to slow our breath down alone, whether people are aware, aware of it or not, and on Zoom calls to make a significant difference. When we are shallow breathing, we are communicating danger unconsciously. And when we are diaphragmatically breathing, we are communicating safety. And this is such a game changer. I, 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 can, I cannot even tell you the, the times that I've had leaders slow down in meetings and just breathe changes the dynamic in the room instantaneously. One executive, CTO, um, just got to be like, Seriously, when they start when they started to argue with each other, all I would do is sit back in my chair and start to breathe diaphragmatically. And I cannot tell you within two minutes, things changed. Mm-hmm. Well, I have I've read about it. Um, I've read about how many how many breaths you should take in a in a in a minute. Um, but I've also experienced when people start out taking breaths together. I've experienced that, um, and it, it's amazing when people have been asked yes. to take yes. very deep breaths um, together. Yes. One of my dear friends and colleagues, uh, we, we actually um, have a big part of meditation and mindfulness as a part of the program that I Beautiful. direct um, at the university, and um and one of my colleagues, he would always just in the middle of he could be in the middle of a lecture and he'd say something that was maybe heavy or something that was he wanted people uh, to pause and absorb. And he'd just say, take a breath with me. And it would, it would just have an amazing effect yeah. on the crowd. And yeah. people were like exactly. hanging on. It was almost exactly. like they were on that breath. 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's there's now an internal joke with all my clients is that I, I basically charge them to tell them to breathe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's amazing. Um, so, so what to about the teams and belonging? Um, do you think sometimes people subconsciously exclude people uh, and and they're really not trying to, but it's based on their own experiences? Uh, absolutely, which can often be incredibly heartbreaking, right? Yeah. Uh, when we look at systems of oppression, um, I think that there are so many barriers to entry in so many different capacities. And, you know, I, I would say that most humans mean well. Most humans really do care. Most humans really do want the very best for others, for themselves and for their loved ones and, and for, you know, those around them, whether they're, you know, strangers or otherwise. I think that 
we aren't taught how to be in relationship with each other. I'm not speaking romantically. You know, we aren't taught to to really understand um, connection, to understand how to be inclusive. We we aren't really taught that, and and we value as organizations, we value as teams, and, and many cultures. You know, I grew up in a in an Indian East Indian family household for the very early part of my life. You know, and, 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 and doing things was excessively more important than being things. <laughs> and, and, and so much of accomplishing is a part of, of how we have the experience of belonging, but that's not what belonging is, right? Belonging is the ability to feel safe with ourselves so that we can include others in our community. And when we prioritize this doing aspect, that's a left hemisphere experience. This is a really great body of research from Ian McGilchrist, who wrote The Master and His Emissary, and then, and then later he wrote, it took him 10 years to write this book called The, the, the Matter with Things, and it's, it's literally 1,500 pages. It's a very long book, um, but I highly recommend it. It's great. <laughs> and, uh, um, it, it, it's a really beautiful deep dive into the neuroscience of who we are as humans, and and so the left hemisphere is what's prioritized in, in organizations, and that's our get stuff done circuit. Like that's our that's the way that we show up and, and execute on OKRs and our goals, and and make sure the house is clean and the kids are have what they need. And it's the left hemisphere, it's the right hemisphere that brings us to a place of emotionality. It brings us to a place of relationality. It's a it's the it's the right hemisphere that feels very deeply. And because we don't prioritize that experience of navigating and sitting with and being in relationship selves, we find ourselves challenged with sitting with our emotions, sitting with other people's emotions. The the left hemisphere has a sense of self, but that sense of self is actually based on noticing whether I'm successful noticing whether I've failed. So that takes us down a path very, very quickly toward imposter syndrome. The the, the right oh, hemisphere, oh, however right? That the yeah. right hemisphere, however, gives us the ability to connect, to mourn the loss of a project failing or a campaign not succeeding or not actually getting the product shipped on time for whatever reason our team not being able to deliver to the other team based on the lack of resources or headcount. We, we have retrospections. We have postmortems and teams because it gives us a sense of to, to see what, what didn't work, what didn't go well. When we, Sarah Payton, who is a dear friend of mine and the author of Your Resonant Self, talks about this really beautiful thing called plan, do, check, adjust. Well, the left hemisphere gives us plan and do. But if we don't have the inner resources, that inner capacity to vacillate over to the right hemisphere, then we never get to check if it was okay. We never get to then adjust so that we can do it differently moving forward. And that is very challenging because that interrupts the accountability piece. How can we be accountable if we aren't, checking and adjusting and we're just planning 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 and doing 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 we're just, we're looping in that cycle 
and we never get to pause. And that's a direct road or pathway to overwhelm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and so tell me, when you're working with, I assume you work you work with leaders and teams at, at other times, correct? You 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 do both. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Um so what so what does that look like when you are um when you're talking to them? Is that so much of this resonates with me um because it has the kind of the physiology side of things uh for this, but then also it is it the the psychology connects there as well. Like a lot of what we know about why what motivates people. Um, uh, just an aside before you respond to that is that we uh, about um, I, I guess eight months into uh, the pandemic, uh, we we realized that there were some really big differences that we were experiencing with the way our students were responding to uh, the subject matter. And mm. there's one thing that can be experienced, and I'm jumping back to kind of the belonging, um, because mm-hmm. it make, it, what I realize is that uh, it's such an important part of learning, too. So it's like the work that we do but also learning, whether it's in a job setting or an academic setting, uh, people have to feel a part of what they're doing. And I, I certainly can tell where there's, there's the, um, the, the um, psychological and the physiological component to that. And there were, there, so we, we developed what we called a code of belonging, and it wasn't a set of rules or it was a, a set of aspirations that these are the mm. things that we want to be doing. This is what this mm-hmm. is what we want to look like as a community of learners together. Mm. But that we talked about what it meant to belong in the space. But but the other part, I, what I was about to say was that when I say the way people respond to the subject matter was so different because there were some things that you could do in person that were different. It came across differently than when you were one inch by one inch squares. And so mm-hmm. um, a lot of my students hear me say this a lot. And even here on the show, I talk about being deliberate and intentional. And I hear that in what you're saying too, is that knowing how important this is, recognizing how important this is, even when you talk about things like taking a breath or the way you breathe intentionally for the purpose of calming people around you is a different mm-hmm. level of leadership. Like I'm, I'm, even, I'm, I'm even thinking about my presence in this space, how I belong in this space um, so that I can impact my team differently. And so I, that what I, what my, where I started with this was, what does it look like when you are coaching people in this way uh, around belonging and including each other? Um, not what are the rules, but what are the things that people really have to know and understand to be good yeah. at, 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 at bringing people in? 
the the thing that I know we're we're short on time here. I, the thing that I'll say that I'll that I'll leave us with here is to really examine your own facial expressions. When I talked about Stephen Porges's work, polyvagal theory, the the vagus nerve, you know, from the brainstem goes down uh, down the neck and and into the heart and lungs and into the endocrine system, but but it also reaches up into the face. And I can tell when someone's not breathing by looking at their cheeks. I can tell what's going on with their nervous system. I can see what state they're in based on their facial expressions or lack thereof. And so I was working with the CEO and her team earlier this year around, you know, reduction in force. And I was coaching the entire team on how to actually deliver the news that following week. And I said to the CEO, the expression that you have right now on Zoom, it's not going to work. It's not going to fly. It looks distant. It looks disconnected. It looks dissociated. Can you just raise your eyebrows just a half an inch so that what (laughs) you're actually doing is portraying empathy? And she did. And it was a night and day difference. So being able to understand that your facial expressions, your breathing cadence, And the words in which you are choosing, here's the thing, the last thing I'll say, left hemisphere speaks transactionally, the right hemisphere speaks relationally. We are all, every human is bilingual. Mm -hmm. So you are not, as a leader, prioritizing right hemisphere language, relational language, then you're leaving 50% of your communication on the table. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's powerful. Thank you for that. Well, I, you know, I told you time was going to go fast. Uh, you have really added a lot today. Um, I, I wish we had more time, but I know that there are going to be people who are going to say, why did you go longer? So for that reason, please tell me and others how people can um, follow you on social media, any social media handles, email addresses, websites you have, books or articles you want to point them to that you've authored. Um, My whole reason for inviting you here today was because I wanted to share you with other people. So I I am so appreciative of you. And so please share how people can be supportive of you. Our website is ibelong.com. If you take my name, Rajkumarani Yogi, and you put it into Google and then you add Fast Company, there are eight articles that you can start reading immediately um, that will take you on a journey of belonging. Excellent. Thank we you also, so much. I should also mm-hmm. say, well, I should, we have our podcast, Then, Now, and Tomorrow, that is uh, on Spotify yes. with the video and, and, and Apple Podcast. And, and, and I'll tell you, we, we get super spicy. We have the CDO <laughs> of, uh, of Workday, Karen Taylor. We have uh, the culture officer from Articulate, Dino Anderson, and my dear friend, Sarah Payton, who's the neuroscience educator. Oh. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, listen, Rajkumari, thank you so much for coming on. And I know we, uh, that people have said that there were uh, a few issues. And so this, is, this will be available as a podcast and um, will be out there for people uh, to, to download and listen, um, Spotify, uh, in a podcast addict, any of the places where they um, will uh, be able to download podcasts. We're there. And so wishing you the best and continued success. Um, go well, stay well. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Brian. Take good care, everybody. 
Thank you.